You've got your 12-string Rickenbacker guitars tuned to broadcasting from home. I'm your host and best friend, Scrappy McGowan. We have made it far as show number 103 here in early September. It's been a while. It's been a lot going on. We got a special show today. We have our second interview in the history of the show. In the 10 years I've been doing it, second time I've interviewed somebody. We had Mike Pace here a couple years ago, and now we have the forewarned interview with the White Sox legend, Mr. Marvis Foley, the minor league baseball legend as well. That's right, Marvis Foley's in the house. We have an interview with him that's going to be coming up after our first set, and Marv is going to be its free-ranging conversation between Scrappy and Marv, and uh, Marv's got a set of music that he's going to play for us, so we have that coming up. But before the interview with Marv Foley, we're going to start off with a set of music that's uh, talking about what's going on in my life right now and what's going on in my life right now. It's red beans. I got some red beans cooking in the next room. I can smell them cooking. I'm going to have some red beans and rice on Monday because that's red beans and rice day. They're cooking up right now. So we're going to kick things off with a little professor long hair and a little red beans. Thank you. 
some music from New Orleans start off the show. We kick things off with a track from Professor Longhair from his, his wonderful classic. I know, I used to say classic too much. I don't say it too much anymore, so I'm going to say it now. Crawfish Fiesta, classic album from Professor Longhair with some red beans. Speaking of red beans, our second track, we heard a track called Blues for Buster Holmes from George Kidshikola. And Buster Holmes had a restaurant over on Burgundy Street. And I stumbled upon it in 1979 when I was a young hippie. And I was hitchhiking across the country. And I was in New Orleans, didn't know anybody. Ended up over Tulane where I slept on the stage of a theater for a couple nights and just wandered around and got to know New Orleans. And I uh, wandered over into Burgundy Street and this place called Buster Holmes. And that's the first time I ever had red beans and rice. And from... uh, What people tell me, that was the greatest red beans and rice ever. Buster Holmes went out of business in 1983, so I feel fortunate to have had some great food at Buster Holmes back when I was a kid. We heard blues for Buster Holmes. And then we ended up that short set with a track called Junko Number 2 from James Booker. Well, as promised, we have an interview coming up here with the one, the only, Marvis Foley. So let's cut to that interview now. Okay, we're live here on Studio P and broadcasting from home. We have uh, an old friend of the show that is the the former Major League ball player, Marv Foley. Welcome. Mo- welcome, Marv. Well, Scrappy, it's great to be here. And, you know, I know that I did a station ID for you a long time ago. And, yeah. you know, it was really kind of, you know, always get panicked by technology and, you know, truth be told, I really didn't know what a podcast was. So just a few minutes before sort of clicking and joining in, um, I, um, somebody taught me how to Google a a nine year old who lives in the neighborhood. And so now I do understand that we are actually doing a podcast together. And, you know, again, thank you for welcoming this Luddite uh, to the show. Great to be here. Sure. Yeah, that was 10 years ago. That was our one of two promos that we have in our most uh, most played promo. Um, I, I believe you were mowing the lawn at the time when you recorded it. I, you know, you, you got to make ends meet however you can when you spend a lot of time in the minors. And, you know, I've never I've never been too proud. And, uh, you know, if 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 mowing the grass, you know, and trying to make somebody's, you know, like somebody's an Orioles fan and trying to sort of like cut the grass a certain way to get like an Oriole to appear in the lawn or, you know, that design work. I'm not very good at it, but hey, you know, you just, you, you, you just roll with it and, uh, you know, and hey, I've gotten paid along the way and, you know, somehow been making the rent and it's been great. So I've been spending a lot of time in Indiana, as you know. Um, but I, I left, uh, and basically, you know, you know, I love the FBI. I'm all yeah. about law enforcement, you know, so always sort of my plan B and I've always had a great respect for, for random drug testing. Um, and I didn't realize that, um, sausage gravy is considered a performance enhancing substance in Indiana. And there was a lot in my system. I'll just say, you know, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I, you know, I had to move on and, uh, you know, um, uh, I didn't know what a podcast was. I didn't know what quinoa was, if that's even how you say it. Um, but you know, I've been just living a lot cleaner. Um, 
And, uh, you know, when I get up from squatting, um, I'm not as sore and as achy as I used to be. Um, I feel rejuvenated and it's just, I'm, I'm moving, I'm moving ahead and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try to make things right with everybody, including you and all your listeners. Well, that's good to hear. And you might want to go for the tempeh gravy because it doesn't show up on the drug tests. Okay. Uh, I, I found that out myself. Yeah, so. I had um, um, Razor, Razor Shines used to give me his tempeh gravy when I was randomly tested and I would turn that in. But I think I'm, I'm ready to do my own. Yeah. Well, for, for the audience who doesn't know, you and I go back to, uh, to the mid-80s in, in Indianapolis. So, so that's where we met back when I was doing play-by-play. You were coming through. Were, were you with Denver at the time when you were playing in Indianapolis when we first met up? Uh, I think I, ha- I had just moved on from Denver and was, uh, w- had caught on with the, the Buffalo Bisons. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and Ned Yost had uh, shared catching duties with the with the Rangers uh, the year before. But now I was back in the minors. And, you know, honestly, I feel like, you know, that this the, the kind of guy I am riding the buses, you know, eating eating what was then the sausage gravy. Now the tempeh, you know, that just suited me. Yeah. Just well, always you, trying you, to keep it real. You, you had a solid career. I mean, as, as I remember, you were you were way up there. I think you were career two sixteen, two career two twenty six hitter somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, just you know, just above the Mendoza line, and that'll that'll uh, keep you getting paid. And uh, you know, and 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 you know, when you're a catcher, you're 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 always you're thinking about the strategy of the game, and that'll get you some coaching gigs, and that's. Uh, that's kind of, you know, sort of how I've sort of held on, um, you know, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe if there's a change in the administration after this election and the FBI is a less maligned, you know, institute, then, you know, maybe I can finally uh, sort of put on that 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 trench coat and, uh, you know, and, and go deep undercover and, you know, and root out some of the corruption and graft uh, in minor league baseball. Well, I mean, that's what everybody says about you. When, when they talk about Mar Foley, what the, the, the things that people tend to say is the man can manage at any level. Um, in fact, you do hold, I think you are the only minor league manager who has won a title at every level. Is that is that not true? Uh, I, I, as far as I know, Scrappy, uh, I, you know, and I don't like to, to be braggadocious, um, you know, I don't like to say anything that's like four syllables uh, ever, uh, but I believe that is true. And I do believe that uh, my coaching records are in Cooperstown. Um, mm. Now, granted, those coaching records are under uh, um, a case and they're under a case that's keeping these plaques um, level. But nonetheless, <laughs> those records are in Cooperstown and are serving a purpose. And I am proud of that. Thank well, you. Before the uh, show, I, I put out a request to uh, my seven followers on Twitter and asked them to uh, if they had any questions they want to ask. And and uh, Jimmy D of Detroit wanted to know about um, what is one of your greatest moments, which was your last at bat. Um, that that you know, I assume everybody knows that you uh, your last at bat, you were the final out of Mike Witt's perfect game. Uh, 
Yeah. Now I know I realize we are doing this uh, on a platform. Um, now I'm sure you're impressed by me throwing out that that word. Um, Real big word there, Mark. My nine year old tech friend told me to to throw in platform at some point. Um, so I just did. Um, but yes, I mean, so we are on a platform called Zencaster, and I just want to say that I felt like it was a very sort of um, ultimate Zen moment. My last. Uh, my last at bat in the major leagues was the last out of a, of a baseball season, the last, the 27th out in a perfect game, as you said, at Scrappy pitched by Mike Witt. And I just, um, it, it just, it felt great to yield to the baseball cosmos and, and drift off into uh, anonymity. Anonymity, of which uh, I've uh, been basking in the glow of anonymity, um, really ever since I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky. So it was returned to that. Well, you know, the, the thing about that uh, final at bat, giving uh, being the last at bat, the last at bat of Mike Witt's perfect game, is like anybody can be like Ted Williams and you know go out with with a home run. I mean, I think that I think we all know that any player can do it. But to go out with a what was it a dribble to second base uh, to end a perfect game, that's a rare thing. Um, yeah, and you know the only thing that I the, the only none of you know the only part that hurts me is that I was busting it down the line and I think I only got thirty feet. You know, I mean, <laughs> I'll admit um, I was the kind of you know proverbial runner that looked like uh, he was carrying a piano on his back. You know, yeah, kind of reminiscent of Ricky uh, Ricky Henderson when he played for the Mets. Uh, go, go, let's be honest, going through the motions. Uh, Hall of Fame career, end your career with the Mets, and just go through the motions, get that last paycheck. Um, let's not say Bobby Bonilla. <coughs> sorry. Sorry, I can't can't breathe there. <coughs> say the name Bobby Bonilla, I can't breathe. I, I believe the Mets are still paying him something like $40 million a year. Uh, <laughs> they are indeed and will be for like another decade or so. And uh, yes. The, the, the Wilpons, and maybe they're finally going to sell the team uh, in in cahoots with Bernie Madoff. You talk about bad karma. <laughs> Think about that. I am so glad that my final moment as a professional was being part of perfection in the most humble way possible. Yeah, and, and that's being an ultimate team player. Um. Well, so Marv, so you actually came here for a reason. You wanted to come on the show because um, you wanted to promote a set of music. Um, there, there's been a, a color theme in your life that you've been working through. Um, and maybe you want to tell the folks about the color that you really identify with um, these days. Well, um, you know, I don't know if it was my, um, I think it was my great uncle um, who, uh, you know, uh, came under the glare of the McCarthy era and, uh, you know, um, before they had C-SPAN, um, he had to testify and was accused of being a communist. And so, um, when he sat me on his lap and told me those, those war stories back in the day of how he was banned from minor league baseball because of being a communist, I think I've always been, uh, always had a soft spot for the color pink. And so I just wanted to, you know, with a nod to you, Scrappy, to our friend Mark Beebe, 
to our iconic radio hero, Vin Skelsa, and a host of other freeform DJs. I just wanted to sort of run with that theme, you know, um, and we're, we're in tough times right now. We're looking at an election that maybe will kind of help, you know, tilt things the right way. Um, but, you know, I just want to stick up for um, stick up for being pink and 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 weave a tapestry with with that color. Well, that's that's a beautiful thought. So is that, what, what song are you going to kick us off with? Well, <laughs> so so I know you wouldn't like expect me to be like partying with pink but you know it's like uh let, you know we're gonna kick things off with pink you know a mega hit and then and then we'll get a little we'll zig and zag and we'll get a little more obscure but we're just gonna go we're just gonna throw people off the trail right now and go as big pop as we possibly can okay so we're gonna kick off the set here with pink and i'm coming up <laughs>
saw it written and I saw it say Pink, 
so many flowers. Yeah, he was a nice man too, but never had any fun. Didn't have time. Just worked and made money. He didn't even have time to enjoy himself. Poor man. You're gonna take that two-week trip, no matter come what may. But every year you put it off. You just can't get away. Next year for sure you'll hit the road. You'll really get around. But how far can you travel when you're six feet underground? Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself. While you're still in the pink, the years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. You never go to nightclubs and you just don't care to dance. You don't have time for silly things like moonlight and romance. You only think of dollar bills tied neatly in a stack. But when you kiss a dollar bill, it doesn't kiss you back. Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wing. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Now you love lasagna very much, you like to eat and eat. You won't eat gugutsu, you're afraid it'll break your teeth. You always think you may bite off more than you can chew. Don't be afraid you won't have teeth when you reach 92. Oh, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. All the years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself. It's 
Okay, so we're back. So uh, tell us, Marv, uh, tell us about the set that we just heard. Well, sure. Um, you know, having having uh, uh, listened to you, Scrappy, I think it's uh, this time to sort of back announce. And what we just heard was Louis Prima and Keely Smith, who were, they were a, a, a couple. They were an item. And uh, a song from the 50s and Enjoy Yourself, It's Later Than You Think, and Enjoy Yourself While You're Still in the Pink. Oh, I like Before, that. I'm sorry? I said I like that song. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's fun, but, you know, you think about it, and <laughs> the end is near, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> it's later than you think. It is true. And uh, and Janelle Monet, who I am, I really am a fan. Uh, ever since um, I heard the song "Tightrope," and then I watched the video, and then lo and behold, um, I got to see her, um, you know, do a show at the IU Auditorium for like ten dollars. It was it was ridiculous, and she was great. And so I've just I'm, I've just admired her career as a musician, as an actor, as an activist. And um, and so there's a, a tune where um, uh, she's like she had a persona for a while and she's sort of now she's just kind of going forward as Janelle Monet, you know, who she is and and pink spelled with a Y. And then we had before that Nick Drake. Um, you love him. I love him. Uh, Lee Williams, thank you, Lee Williams, uh, doing Pink Moon. And, you know, I was tempted to play the the Teddy Thompson version of that song, which is also yeah. great. The live that's out, that was from the uh, the compilation album. Yeah, that sort of tribute album. And that's what stopped me. I, I started to play that. And then I got um, a citation in the mail that the somebody reminded me that that came from a, um, a record called Way to Blue. Right. And uh, and so I got a pink slip on that. And so I circled back to uh, to Nick Drake, the band music from Big Pink. Uh, that's the the link there. Um, and a song called We Can Talk uh, and an instrumental from a band called Pink Mar- Martini, mixing it up with Pink Martini, uh, a song called Andalusa. And of course, we started things off with Pink and I'm coming up scrappy so we better get this party started i think we do i think we've got it started well we yes absolutely and uh you started on an up note ended on an up note in fact when i was looking over the tracks and listening to them on andalusa i i thought was going to be a cover of the john cale song andalusia i was not correct we'll have to go back and see if he says pink anywhere in there and if if he does (laughs) work it in or we'll sample We'll sample something and drop it in, and we'll get John Cale um, some other time. But yeah, thank you, you know, thanks for indulging me there. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, folks don't know this, but we used to do radio together back when you'd visit the offices of WQAX, um, Mighty Cable 101.9? What was that? 101, 101.9? I'm going to say 100.3. 100.3, that's right, on the cable FM dial. I don't know what a cable FM dial is, but we were 100.3 on a cable FM dial. <laughs> Nobody knew what cable FM was, even even when it existed. I, I think we might have invented the internet, um, basically. <laughs> I, I kind of think that's what it was. It was an early version of a rap net, which turned into cable radio, which then became the internet. Yeah, because I, yeah, I remember Al Gore used to do the beat party, and then he had some idea for the internet. And yeah, and I think that's where, I think that was the seminal moment. And also, we run such a low budget. Do you remember that... Um, you know, we really, we had to take, it was all vinyl really and cassettes, but a lot of vinyl and we had to be careful, you know, had to take care of the vinyl. And so your way of taking care of it, as well as practicing good dental hygiene was that you would use a toothbrush and get close to the microphone to get that scratch effect. And I, I always admired that. Oh, uh, you, ever, you, ever resourceful. Yes. You, you work with the tools that you have at the time. Well, and you were always getting better checkups every six months than me, so I was envious of that. Yeah, it's true. I, I had that that really deep wiki wiki sound. Um, um, so, listen, Marv, we were talking when we were talking before the show. We talked about a movie that both of us have seen uh, that that uh, you had actually turned me on to originally, Echo in the Park, um, a movie that came out was it a couple of years now about the uh, yeah. Laurel Canyon scene. Yeah, Echo, Echo from the Canyon. Echo, Echo from the Canyon, not Echo. I don't know. I'm Echo no, Park. Different part, subject. Yeah, uh, yeah. We could talk about Echo Park sometime. But Echo from the Canyon, um, running on Netflix. Uh, you know, kind of this uh, who's who of you know '60s California um, rock folk performers who lived in Laurel Canyon and then this sort of, you know, newer generation of California musicians who have, you know, connected to them, who are, um, who, you know, who the torch has sort of been passed to and hosted by Jacob Dylan, who I, who, you know, of course I knew who he was and, and he looks like his father. So you see Jacob Dylan and you know who it is. And yet I got to admit, I wasn't super familiar with him as a performer much less as a host. And I was so impressed with him. I just, I thought he was just really great at, at being sort of self-effacing, poised, um, nailing the music. And I, I also really just liked his sort of straightforward, almost like lack of effect, both in his just interview style, as well as his singing, but, you know, great musicians. Um, you see footage from the birds, um, from the Mamas and the Papas, from the Beach Boys, um, Buffalo Springfield. So you get all, and then, and then this sort of reverent covering of, of a lot of these songs done live at a concert uh, in LA a few years ago. Great movie. Yeah, features, yeah, Brian Wilson's in there and, and uh, shows up at the studio and there's a lot of reverence for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're in the studio where the Beach Boys made that music and those sort of young generation of 
you know, younger generation of session musicians, you can tell they're really moved when Brian Wilson sort of, you know, hobbles in and, you know, it's great because then Brian Wilson is always just kind of an awkward presence. And yet even not that I know the guy or, you know, uh, tracked even all his interviews, but even he seems kind of comfortable, although it's kind of funny, like he makes like, you know, his ratio of making eye contact with Jacob Dylan, who's kind of interviewing him, is like 1% of the time. <laughs> He's kind of like looking off, you know, gathering all his thoughts. And it's like, is it that interview style where you sort of look off? And it's like, no, I think he just, that's what he does. And then every once in a while, I was like, oh, yeah, but you're the guy interviewing me. So I'm going to look at you for a nanosecond and then back to sort of gathering my thoughts from off in the distance. But uh, yeah, it was great. And and uh, if you're going to put us, you know, I would suggest, you know, in this next set, given um, the social isolation, the social distancing that all of us are, are still kind of grappling with um, and a song that was covered really well in that movie in my room would be yeah. just a great and it's such a beautiful song um, that there's one to, to, to toss in the uh, the broadcasting from home arugula salad yeah that was uh, fiona apples i remember who sang that with uh jacob dylan mm -hmm. and in fact uh, i don't know if you remember but uh, we saw brian we together when on visit to chicago we saw brian wilson's yeah. second ever solo concert um, wow. up at the rosemont horizon i don't know if you remember that maybe uh, uh maybe 2001 2002 i i i have forgotten that it was um that he hadn't sort of been out performing live very much but yes i remember that um that show very well and it was it was great um and it, i think you pointed out that he wasn't really playing he wasn't playing was he was he just sitting at the piano like just as like a comfort kind of thing yeah he, um, he was he, he that was a big deal for him to go on tour that was his second solo date in his whole career and he had his wife on stage to cheer him on he was living in chicago at the time and um yeah it seemed like it took a lot of courage for him to get up on stage yeah well he he sounded great and of course he had you know the, the band that played with him that night they um it, it it is cool that you know he is um sort of revered and i think you know just circling back to echo from the canyon i think it was um you know uh, jacob dylan's interviewing jackson brown who you know says something about like you know his first impression of the beach boys was that he says they were they were lame and he just like he saw this he heard the music and he saw the photo of like all of them holding this you know surfboard and it was like you know they're lame and but Pet Sounds was like the album that, you know, blew people's minds. Tom Petty, um, Jackson Brown and, you know, and there's some mention of like, you know, the stuff he was doing, sort of linking it to Mozart and and this ability. Um, and I think even this competition that he had sort of going on either overtly or inwardly with the Beatles that he was trying to sort of like, you know, Brian Wilson's trying to one up the Beatles and um, somehow they're influencing each other as they're each kind of upping their their sonic game. Um, but Pet Sounds was was uh, they they were far from lame when that when that album came out. 
Well, and, and in fact, if you're going to watch one of a good double header of movies after watching uh, Echo in the Canyon, follow that up with Love and Mercy, the uh, mm. the the movie with uh, John Cusack and who was the other actor who played uh, who played the younger Brian Wilson? Uh, I can't remember. Um, but the uh, had two different actors playing Brian Wilson. One during the making of Pet Sounds. Um, it was Paul Dano. Paul Dano, yeah, who did an amazing job of yeah. uh, the, during the recording of uh, Pet Sounds, and then later John Cusack playing him during his deeply troubled period when he met uh, when he was under the care of Doctor Eugene Landy. Um, but that that was just an astonishing uh, yeah. movie. So I'd say there's a good doubleheader for you uh, for Love and Mercy. Let's if if Ernie Banks were alive, Scrappy, he'd say let's watch two. Well, uh, let's you know to that. So you you were the one actually who who brought me over to the Brian Wilson camp, and I have to admit, growing up, I I, I never was a Beach Boys guy, and I kind of respected some of their songs, song here like "Wouldn't It Be Nice," uh, but but you were the one actually in the '90s who just sat me down and had me listen to some Beach Boys and Brian Wilson, and brought me over. Um, so in terms of let's play too, we got the. Um, the the song from Echo in the Canyon uh, in my room. Is there a favorite Brian Wilson song you have for uh, for a Let's Play Two? Um, you know, honestly, I mean, you mentioned you know, wouldn't it be nice? And I know that was a mega hit. It's it's a beautiful song. It yeah. is beautiful. So you want to? We'll go out on the set with a uh, little Brian Wilson and Wouldn't It Be Nice? Sure. Okay. Well, listen, it has been a joy having you on the show. Um, we're going to have to get together. I, I wish we could be in together in person, but you know, in the age of COVID, it makes sense that we are doing this um, online using a tool called Zencaster, which is really probably the most appropriate way for things to go. Um, so if people wanted to follow you, uh, Marv, I, I was going to send them to your uh, Instagram account. And uh, turns out you don't have an Instagram account. Um <laughs> I was going to send them over to your Twitter account. Turns out you do not have a Twitter account uh, nor a Facebook, Marv. So um, it sounds like really you are ungoogleable, um, and there's really no way to follow you. Well, I, I would just say, you know, just you know, if people remember what postcards are, um, every once in a while, some some kid will write, you know, Marv Foley USA, and that does get to me. It, it'll okay. be, it might be a year or two, but it will get to me. So just Marfoli USA or Marfoli Peoria, Illinois 60609 <laughs> and, and that will get to me. So, and sometimes when I say gets to me, you know, like the way, you know, emotionally something gets to you. So yeah. I will feel it. <laughs> and so that's what I would say. You can reach me. And you can get to me, Scrappy. So, okay. um, let you know, you know, you know what I'm know. talking about. I know. He knows. He knows. So, well, listen, for, thanks for calling in, Marv. Um, and uh, well, maybe we'll find a time to have you back on the podcast. Well, well, thanks. Um, I, um, I always enjoy your show. I love the sets that you put together. Um, and, uh, would would certainly enjoy the opportunity to do it again sometime. So let's let's uh, let's play two, Scrappy. Okay. Well, thanks, Marv. And uh, that was Marv Foley dialing in remotely from an underground bunker uh, somewhere in New York. <laughs>
Well, that was fun. We're back here in Studio P, closing out the show. That was fun to do that interview with Mark Foley, my old friend. Covered a lot of ground there. We're running kind of late here, I notice. Over an hour. Way over an hour. That's okay. It was worth it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Marv, my pal Marv, and his uh, free-ranging set of music. Man, yeah, got to hand it to him. Going from Nick Drake to Janelle Monet. That's a... Uh, that's a move by a radio guy who has confidence, has tremendous confidence. Beautifully done, Marv. Anyway, it was great having Marv there and uh, lots of fun music, lots of fun talk. Hopefully we'll have him back soon. One thing I noticed about that interview, I, I do not have my mic etiquette down when I'm doing an interview like that. First time I've done some remote like that. Found that my head was moving all over the place. Don't know if you could hear that. Poor etiquette, Scrappy. You could do better than that. Eh, it's okay. Anyway, that brings us to a close of podcast number 103 of Broadcasting from Home. I'm your host and best friend, Scrappy McGowan. And uh, it's time for one more. And speaking of that movie, Echo in the Canyon, which you got to go see. It's out on Netflix. We're going to listen to a track from there with Jacob Dylan and Beck doing a cover of a bird song featuring that Rickenbacker 12-string sound that I love so much. So this is a little going back, and I will talk to you soon.